Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. I want to wish all of our listeners a Merry Christmas as we get geared up for the Chiefs and Raiders on Monday afternoon. We'll start things off on today's show with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show discussing their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' Week 15 win over the New England Patriots. After that, it's out of structure discussing the winners and losers from the Chiefs' Week 15 win. Then we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, just diving into the Raiders preview on Christmas Day. After that, we'll take a quick time out. When we get back, we'll catch up with the Great British Chiefs show, taking a little bit of a longer look at the Chiefs and Raiders. Then we will wrap things up with show and BK, discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Monday to make sure they get a Christmas Day win. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here. On the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, the Chiefs are coming off a 27-17 to 17 win uh, over those New England Patriots. Uh, upset at, at the, the turnover because I had 27-13 in my Arrowhead Pride prediction for this game, and they, they really messed that up. I, I think I was heading for it, and, and we didn't get it, so that's my first mini marinated takeaway. Uh, John, uh, you watched this game. Uh, I'm sure you have your thoughts on it, so uh, as we usually do, we'll start with your First takeaway here, what did you think? Well, I think this was a, a much better win than it's being given credit for. Um, I think it was a mistake to think that the Patriots are a 3-10 and ten team and the Chiefs are just going to go in there and wallop them. The Patriots have been playing excellent defense for the last month or so, and uh, I was going to be surprised if the, if the Chiefs scored more than you know 24 points uh, my prediction was for a 2010 win and it turned out to be 27 17 so they actually scored uh, significantly more points than i expected that they would and um the defense did a good job against a quarterback that i thought played very well i was pretty impressed with that guy i i know that unless a player uh, has become a sort of star it's easy to put these guys down uh, people were for example putting jordan love down when the chiefs played the packers but he played a great game and has been playing well this year just like aaron Rodgers did in his first year as a starter and here we see uh this young man who was fourth round pick i guess and he i thought played really well against the chiefs just 
the Chiefs have a good defense and holding that team with that quarterback to 17 points, I thought was a, was a good job. I really, I really thought this was a more impressive win than people have been given it credit, given credit for. Yeah. You face a three win team. And I think Andy Reid was alluding that to that in his opening statement today, where, you know, they had a, a bunch of games where they were within one score. Mm-hmm. And I think especially the defensive side is pretty good for new England. So, um, to be able to put up 27, you know, you're nearing the 30 mark. 30 is, is acceptable, I think, any week. Like if you get to 30 in the range of 30, you should feel pretty good about the win. So I I would tend to agree with you. And I also think like the defense faced some adversity a little early and they were able to to kind of settle in and, and right. give give the Chiefs a, an opportunity there. Uh I I'm I'm with you. I like the win. Uh and it's a it's a good win to to build off of as you head into this final stretch where you need to win every game. Uh, if you're going to have a chance, because Baltimore was able to beat Jacksonville and their two games up right now. And so you got to keep the wins coming. My first marinated takeaway is my God, uh, Rasheed Rice. This is wild. Uh, we thought, you know, he was this player um, at the beginning of the year. I think there were signs that he could be a good option for the Chiefs and he had developed into that. But now he's entering a stretch where. He's been one of the better wide receivers in the NFL, period. McMullen, uh, Matt McMullen, friend of friend of the show in the site, had this uh, since week 12. He has 32 catches. That's second among all players. 334 receiving yards, fourth among all players, uh, and three touchdown catches. That's fifth among all players. That's in the league. That's that's in the, the NFL. Cody Tapp, uh, another friend of the, the show in sight, had this. Uh, in the last four games, he's averaging nine and a half catches for 83 and a half yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then you project that over a 17 game schedule. That would be 161 catches for 1,419 yards uh, and and 17 touchdowns. Those, that's crazy. I mean, those are crazy numbers. And uh, so, you know, you think about the the second round pick and, and the Chiefs went back to back years where they took a, a wide receiver in the second round. I've, I've talked about it for countless times as to why they didn't end up with a first round receiver this year. Not not because they weren't trying more about where they're picking in the NFL draft. And that's because they were the damn Super Bowl champions. But you <laughs> you blink here. And I think you're looking around the league at these rookies. Um, Puka Nakua in L.A. and um, Ravens wide receiver. Uh, say flowers uh, comes to mind, maybe Vikings uh, wide receiver, Jordan Addison, but Rasheed is kind of playing himself into that conversation of um, especially this stretch and, and what he can do of, of maybe being the best of that bunch, but at least like it's a conversation now, which you know, in the middle of the year, the names that I just mentioned, uh, Nakua flowers uh, and Addison, I didn't think there was a chance that you would put rice in that mix. Whereas I, I think he's worked himself into that conversation, which is a, a really nice job um, by the personnel staff because everyone kicks themselves for, for, for missing on, on Puka, but Zay and, and Addison were kind of advertised as these type yes, of guys. So good for were, the Chiefs yeah. to get good for the chiefs to get rice in the second round. And, and who knows what he's going to do these last three games in the playoffs. He has a sneaky 1000 potentially um, here. Uh, what is, I, I think he's in the near 800 right now. So you got, yeah, games. well, that was, that was actually, uh, my marin second marinated oh, takeaway was yeah, about, Tom, you can talk about it. Go ahead. Rish, yeah. Rasheed Rice and, and the impact that he's made, the unexpected impact, you know, we have to compare. Yes. He's, he's, we have to compare him to the rest of the league, of course, because those are the, the current guys, but 
for the Chiefs, I think the comparison is to Dwayne Bowe. Now consider this. Dwayne Bowe started 15 games in his um his first season with the Chiefs and gained 995 yards, 70 receptions. Well, Rice is clearly going to beat that number of receptions, and he's he might actually beat the 995 yards. When I first started paying attention to this about a month ago, um, Rice was on pace to get, I think, 814 yards. He's now on pace to get 915 yards. And this is a wide receiver who early in the season was getting like, you know, 20, 30 yards in a few of the games. And um, so he's really made a big step forward here as the season has gone on. And um, he could easily be a guy who gets a thousand yards. He'd be the first chiefs receiver to get a thousand yards in his rookie season. And um, I, you know, What's not to like about this guy? He's just done a fantastic job. The nine receptions on nine targets when (laughs) the rest of the wide receiving room seems to be having trouble, uh, you know, bringing in these catches, I think should tell you pretty much all you need to know. You're also allowed to fumble it if you pick up your own fumble. I don't know how he got that ball back, but (laughs) thank God he did. Or that kind of. That, that was a point that could have really ruined a great day for him. But sure could have, and he and he did bring it back. That's exactly right. Um, so yeah, like Rice, this goes into my second marinated takeaway, and I'm you know it's stemming from that. And look, I'm not, this is going to be a little bit of a mini rant, but so fast forward about a minute, minute <laughs> well, thirty. That's what if we you, need is more. If you want to annoy, yeah. If you yeah. if you get annoyed by my mini rants, I'd feel like a minute thirty should get you past it. <laughs> but stemming from that, are we okay to say that? Patrick Mahomes has enough weapons to win a championship this year because you have Isaiah Pacheco coming back here who has been explosive and one of the one of the better running backs in the league. I talked about that. Still have Travis Kelsey. We mentioned that it, it seems a little bit different this year, but I think he still has an impact not only when he is able to touch the football, but also as a decoy. You can see that other teams are paying attention and it's opening the door for other receivers uh, and a Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that spot. Sorry. Uh, and now you have Rasheed Rice, who I think we're seeing here is a top receiver, not only in the AFC, not only in the AFC West, in the in the NFL. So you have a top receiver. You have Travis Kelsey. You have Isaiah Pacheco. So you have three viable weapons right there. It, it is annoying. I'll admit this. In week 16, they're, they're still trying to identify who that next receiver, that next, next pass catcher is going to be. But you feel like you have three good weapons. That's pretty good in the NFL. And now you can see where Clyde can have an impact. You're seeing where Jarek McKinnon can have an mm-hmm. impact in yeah. these 12 sets. You're seeing how Noah Gray can have an impact. They have enough. I mean, I, we're, we're at a point, and I, I know I got killed for this all year, but with the emergence of Rice, once you play 15, 16 games, 17 games in the NFL, and the, the Chiefs coaches will always say this, it's like you're basically a second-year player for the playoffs. So they have that now going in, and and I, I think, look, uh, I, I, I've, I've mentioned it a lot of point, times before, you know, and I'll, and I'll say it again here, like, I don't know if it's fair to go all in on this criticism of Brett Feach and the staff because this wide receiver room is a lot like it was last year. You exchange Rice, who we just raved about, for mm-hmm. Juju. The rest of the guys who won a championship are the same. And like when you criticize Veach, you're, you're kind of asking him, like, yeah, you should have predicted the extreme regression for 320 somethings. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Skymore, and Kadarius Tony. Like, 
I don't know if that's actually like a fair criticism. Now, if you want to say they should have did something in free agency, talked about how the Ravens have ruined that. If you want to say they should have did something in the trade deadline, well, then maybe you wouldn't have some of these defensive pieces that have led you to this position. Like, I don't know if Drew Tranquil is here, if they go and get a wide receiver. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I think, I think it's going to be tougher than previous seasons, but I think mm-hmm. they've again yeah. put this team in a position where they can win a championship. Um, and so Ranto, right. That might've been a little bit longer than a minute 30. So I apologize. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. I, I really wasn't going to say anything about this today, but now you've put me in a position like I, I need to, to bring this up. If you're looking at something and it, it's like a guy that's been divorced six times, at what right. point does he realize he's the problem? Right. Okay. And it's kind of the same thing with the wide receivers. If the wide receivers are all bad, you know, if, if, if they've all, re- you know, we've got three guys that people are saying have regressed beyond what, what should be acceptable and Brett Beach should have noticed it. Maybe the problem isn't the wide receivers. Maybe there's something going on with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to have any criticism of Mahomes, and I'm not making a criticism of Mahomes. I'm just saying that there might be something that's gone differently for him this year that has somehow impacted what, how easily it is to catch his passes. I'll say again, I've, I've said this to other people, that if you're a highly accurate passer, which Mahomes is, I think he's third or fourth on the league in completion percentage right now, that's going to tend to increase the number of drops that you are going to get from your wideouts because, you know, you're getting the ball closer to them. It's going to be easier to get the ball to where they might be able to catch it. Now, it's also true that the Chiefs drops are up a lot this year compared to other years years that Mahomes has been the quarterback. So what's different? Is Mahomes just slightly off with his throws? Is he, you know, is there something going on here that isn't necessarily about the wide receivers? That may be why we haven't seen the Chiefs move quickly on the receivers, why it's taken them so long to move away from Marquez Valdez Scantling as a guy that gets a whole lot of snaps, for example. Um, I, and maybe, maybe that's not it at all, but I, I have to wonder if maybe Mahomes has been a bigger piece of this than we've realized. I think he'll find his way out of it. If it has been, mm-hmm. um, I have complete confidence that he'll figure it out next year. If it was something, a problem, some of some kind this year, he'll figure it out. Um, but I just have to wonder it's getting to be beyond coincidence that you could have three guys who suddenly or everybody wants to cut. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Sky Moore, no longer part of this, you know, so they're going to have to do something more at the receiver position, um, you know, in terms of just like, you know, because MBS shouldn't get more receiving right? I don't think that's the solution. Uh you know, I think someone like uh, Richie James would be a would be a nice solution. He had a nice little catch uh, this week. Um, but no, I, I think there's something to be said that, you know, maybe Clyde as, as you know, can do some of those slot snaps. I mean, they he can do some of that stuff. I don't think that's necessarily crazy if if, if no one else in the receiver room is, is really, <laughs> you know, doing anything anyway. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind to see him getting creative at this point because, right, you know, they're they will miss Sky Moore's snaps, 
but clearly they won't miss any production from him. You could probably get more out of, you know, like you said, Richie James. Um, maybe, you know, I, I don't know who else is going to benefit from those snaps. Kadarius Tony, you would think would be the guy in prior to, you know, seeing him on the field this season, you would think that he would be the guy that would be heavily involved at this point. Andy Reid's comments on him after this week when, when Tony had the ball go off his hands, off his head, off his hands again, and into the, the hands of a defender. Um, it sure sounded like Andy Reid wasn't, uh, wasn't giving a resounding endorsement of Kadarius Tony going forward. It, it sure seemed like he might be phased out a little bit more too, which your receiver room is going to be, you know, Rasheed Rice at the top, Justin Watson, and then Richie James, like you said, picking up some of those snaps. That's yeah. very easy to be the case. Uh, Andy Reid called out the fact that he only got Richie James a couple snaps and right. needs to do more of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it breaks down going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I Moore did play 25% of the snaps against New England. I don't know. PFF, for some reason, just erased him from memory, um, which which I guess because he's on IR. But that's the thing. You know, he, he his snaps were dwindling anyway. So this receiving room was kind of evolving to, to maybe not have Sky, uh, you know, eat up as many snaps anyway. But you're right. I mean, Tony is just – he's this playmaker that apparently somebody in the room, in the building, wants – to see with the ball in his hands, apparently, I, you know, I don't know if it's Andy. I don't know if it's, you're right. The Andy comments, you know, make you, you think it's not him, but if it's Patrick, if it's the GM, if, cause, because it is, you know, there is something to the fact that he is causing more negative, uh, you know, at this point than he is positive. And the more snaps you give him, the more chance he gets to have negative plays. Um, and that's <laughs> how it's going right now. It seems like, you know, it, it's kind of, he's had 40% of snaps the last two weeks. That's, close to kind of the season high he's had in snaps and we're coming out of these last two weeks pulling our hair about what he is doing on offense that kind of yeah four targets this week resulted in two catches five yards and an interception receivers the four targets so he's yeah it's like when you're second when you're second receiver which he i guess he is you know justin watson i think just doesn't get the target share um yeah no it's 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 like where do you turn and so i do think Stags, you kind of you mentioned Richie James. Maybe it is a time we 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 uh, kind of throw it back to training camp and remember how hype some some of us were, me included. I was very on the Richie James hype train uh, at camp because he did play well, and uh, you know that slot position. You know Rice is going to continue to play more and more outside, more and more in different spots, and so Richie from the slot. I mean, he might he might become a, a player to to watch for and and, and see him continue to be involved more you bet well in your insta breakdown um you had some bright spots here um from the game not just focusing on the receivers uh, but but what uh what did you see in the insta breakdown this week? yeah so i focus on the defense and so that's why we kind of skipped over your winners on defense which you know you did shout out our guys uh linebacker willie gay which we talked about at the front you know i could have been a bigger winner for me. Uh, Charles Amenahue and Legarius Sneed also had good games. And, and yeah, may, maybe I'll start with Amenahue because, you know, the defensive front played very well, limiting Zeke to 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the Patriots starting running back. Uh, and, and his longest rush was only five yards. So that was kind of the game plan. You've seen it uh, with this team a lot of times is, hey, when that team is is obviously wanting to establish the run game, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of weapons in, in the in the past game. 
you know, they're going to focus, emphasize on stopping it, and they can, right? They 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 tend to do that uh, when they really lock it down, and and so you saw that, and it started up front. Um, and Omenihu, you know, he uh, he played well as a run defender, but you know, I I definitely thought we saw some of his best reps as an edge rusher um, on Sunday, and and that's something that I didn't necessarily think we may see much of uh, from Charles Omenihu this season. I thought a lot of his impact when he'd have games like this where he got a sack and another quarterback hit that caused an incompletion. Um, you know, I thought we'd saw we we would see more of him coming from the interior, getting those kind of games. But it was nice to see him doing it from the edge. And so he was stout. Derek Naughty had a good game. Uh, he he ended up with a sack, but he also had you know a few other uh, big big time tackles up front. But the linebackers in general, you know, you you, you mentioned Willie Gay, um, but Leo Chanel had a batted down pass. He blitzed off the edge. That was a great play by which, him. Which, by the way, this was funny because. How I've not seen a lot of linebackers run as far as he did with both hands up. <laughs> I feel like he he had both hands in the air and he was running like he was a, a a little kid trying to scare their friend in the dark, you know, for for about ten yards uh, before he got to that. You know, make yourself look big. You know, like it was it was to me it looked comical. I mean, I love the result. Uh, I, I well, love the fact that they get their hands up, but it he just got them up real early and kept them up. It is it is fundamentally a good play though to do that, right? Because you know a lot of times you'll see guys they get too happy about, hey, I'm getting after the quarterback, and they're just pumping their arms, and the quarterback throws right over him. Yeah, the quarterback can get hit, but he'd rather get hit and get the ball released than you know you tip it. And so, Leo, mm-hmm. you're right. It looks awkward, but you're right. He's just running hard and just has his hands up like that. I I pointed that out in my in my tweet this morning because it is it is a good fundamental you know smart play by him and and a good yeah. maybe a well coached play there. For him to just keep his hands up there, um, so yeah, and, and even Drew Tranquil had a first and ten sack where he got blitzed. It was, I think, it was one of his first reps subbing in for Nick Bolton. They were kind of rotating the linebackers around. Tranquil fired in there, so you know the the defensive front really established the the tone for this game, and 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 that's kind of why you saw them settle in. You know, once once the pat, you know, they they let a few downfield passes go at first, uh, but once that kind of stopped, the the run defense showed, and and the Patriots got nothing going. Yeah, but Zappy had a few of those like just close your eyes and chunk it passes that, that seemed to work. I remember the one against Legarius Sneed, uh, where yeah, that was lucky under all kinds of pressure, just chucks it. And Sneed was all over the receiver. Uh, receiver just turns around and, and catches the ball behind me. And that was a uh, uh, yeah, you hate to just call it a lucky play, but it, there was some of those completions where he looked really good early on. I was like, how in the world did that pass get out and, and get to where it was supposed to go? You you expect it from Mahomes, you don't expect it from from Bailey Zappi. Well, I will say though, uh, he he did have a few completions to the tight end, right? Hunter Henry, the one touchdown mm-hmm. too. And yeah, our, our our safeties, you know, definitely had a had a hard time, you know, covering him uh, at, at times. You know, he's a good tight end. You know, Spags actually called it out. Uh, going into the game, he said Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki might be the best twosome at tight end we've played all year, which, you know, I was kind of like, really? I, you know, but I, you know, they, Hunter Henry is an underrated tight end, the guy that we've seen with the Chargers, you know, uh, back in the day. And so, yeah, I, I think Justin Reed had that holding call. He struggled. Mike Edwards, you know, kind of was the one who gave up a little too much space on the touchdown. Yeah. But I will, but I will say the safety position, I, I, I called it out today. I, I should have mentioned it when we we're talking about the run defense. They played hard coming up and filling run lanes. They were a big part of the, the run defense. Uh, I should have called yeah. them out because a guy like Jamari Connor um, really showed as a, an active player in the box. He's he's looking more sneedish as as the days go on, Stacks. He really is. 
I love it. I mean, when he was drafted, that was our hope, right? This athletic corner that can play some safety that likes to hit that play special teams. And, and maybe just maybe he could be a do it all luxurious need type. Uh, I mean, so far, so good for Connor. Yeah, well, the other part of my kind of post-game breaking down, um, I do the AP Premiere, you know, uh, it's a subscription service. Hopefully, you guys are subscribed to it. And then I always do a little breakdown, a little more X's and O's, kind of, you know, it's, it's what you guys know I like to do after the game. And, you know, honestly, what I came away with on offense, we talked about the receivers, we talked about kind of the supporting cast. I came away with the fact that Patrick Mahomes really did play well, and and you saw on Twitter, um, a guy that's actually, you know, a very well-respected quarterback analyst, um, Derek Klassen, at QB class on Twitter, he kind of said the same thing, right? You know, he said uh, he charted Patrick Mahomes against New England and and he was unbelievable. The INTs were unlucky, which I agree with, but he was otherwise perfect. He said immaculate down the field and under pressure, peak performance from QB1. And so it is nice to see that someone else, you know, kind of recognized that because it did seem like he was kind of playing on expert mode and, and, and he, uh, he, you know, he won, right? Like, you know, you play on Madden sometimes. It doesn't matter how well you're playing that computer, man, it, it, on expert mode, man, it is tough to overcome and, the Chiefs receivers, the Chiefs pass protection really made that tough on him at times. But you saw him convert third and longs like we've seen him do in the past, right, where he's just rifling downfield passes right where they need to be. Um, you saw him, you know, evade rushers at time to get the passes off. The Clyde pass that we, you know, the Clyde touchdown catch we saw earlier I mean, or talked about earlier. I mean, that was a great throw. I mean, I know it was the Cl- I mean, but he, I guess he knew Clyde could go up and get it. And that was the only place that the ball could have gone. Um, yeah, I think I think Mahomes managed this game very well. I think, you know, obviously the Tony interception was unlucky, but Blake Bell, and he was one of your losers in the in the um, uh, winners and losers too. He really, you know, that that's a play that you really should come back to the ball. That's a you know, a veteran needs to know to come back to the ball. You know, if he if because Mahomes was late to that, but at the same time, if if he, someone's late to that, the receiver has to work back back, knowing that the the ball is going to have to be that much quicker to him because the defense is that much quicker on him. So yeah, I think that's just as much on Blake Bell. So I think Mahomes really did overcome a lot of a lot of adversity not caused by him. And and you know, twenty seven points was probably like the baseline number of points they were going to score on Sunday with the way he was playing. I kind of wish we we maybe would have seen those points and those yards get ticked up a bit more to kind of make him feel you know a little better, more confident going forward. Obviously, absolutely. Yeah, he. I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe his. He was eight for, or he was like, a, I think he was eight for eight before that interception, the first interception. Um, he was just had a phenomenal day overall. Yeah, I, I don't, I could see the frustration on the sidelines when when that interception came off of Kadarius Tony. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a a quarterback who just put up a three hundred yard game. You know, was was remarkably accurate. You know, two good touchdown passes and 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 really. Could have had a lot more. Um, you know, the, this was – you said 27 was the baseline. It truly was because we actually saw – and I think finally our jinxes uh, came true. We finally saw Harrison Butker miss a field goal. Just the, <laughs> the, the, and this was from pretty close range. Looked like he he lost his footing. Like there was something off about his his approach and footing and, and, and kick on that one. Uh, we had been, you know – dancing around the point the fact that, that he was perfect this season and and man should we just not talk about it like it's a baseball pitcher throwing a perfect game you don't you don't talk about it you don't uh, uh you don't jinx it uh finally he got jinxed enough and, and i think the announcers have been doing this all season hey by the way he hasn't missed one yet as he's lining up to to kick a field goal so uh, i he's turned around and kicked another long 
field goal, a 54 yarder, uh, you know, after that. Uh, so I'm not blaming Butker uh, for the one miss on the season, but you know, it, it is, uh, it's notable that uh, he finally had his first miss. And, and if not for that, they're at least at 30 uh, to 34 points, depending on, you know, how they finish that drive. Let's just get right into the Chiefs preview. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Christmas Day game, man. You going to be there? Yes, sir. It'll be a fun day. GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Monday. Why don't they put this one in prime time? Well, you saw the prime time game that night, right? This one, I think, is a Nickelodeon game. My boy Nate Burleson will be there. My twin, Slime. They do kind of look alike. <laughs> Yo, when I first got to KC and like I was walking through like uh, Arrowhead tailgate lots and people were drunk and stuff, like, that was the go-to. That that was literally the game. Oh, Nate! Nate! Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> and then one day, Nate and I did a clip. Have you ever seen that clip before? No, I don't think so. This is when I miss the spaces, because we could just throw stuff up on the... On the, <laughs> the jumbo screen. <laughs> yeah, Nate and I did like a little... We did like maybe like a two-and-a-half-minute clip. I forgot what game he was in town for. Maybe it was a divisional round or one of those. Okay. And uh, he complimented the fade, complimented the look. Hey, man, that's the game guy. Right nice game, huh? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Chiefs Raiders, uh, the six and eight Las Vegas Raiders playing against the nine and five Kansas City Chiefs. Monday, December twenty fifth, noon kick from GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Let's update the injuries. We're recording on Tuesday, so. Let's assume some of these things we'll get that we know official on Wednesday. But from last week around, Isaiah Pacheco was ruled out with a shoulder. Andy Reid anticipates him playing Sunday against the Raiders. He said that in his usual Monday availability. I want to keep an eye on Donovan Smith, too. I know Wanya Morris has played well, and you've said it in the past. Mark Gunnell's like, if we don't call a tackle's name or if we don't notice he's there, that's a good game. But would still like to get our big investment out there on the outside. If you're Donovan Smith uh, dealing with the next stinger, we'll monitor his availability. And then Joshua Williams was a late add uh, with an illness and didn't make the game uh, this past week. So we'll monitor those three players' availability as well as whoever the Raiders bring in. But Pacheco coming back, that's that, that's big time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you want to see him get back in there with three games to go before you hit the playoffs in January, get back into a rhythm, take some hits get that feeling back and you know you got three reliable running backs that i feel pretty comfortable with uh and they all catch the ball at the backfield as well pacheco has shown that ability this year i know that was a knock on him coming out of college uh but he's shown he can do that and we obviously know ceh can and jet mckinnon can for sure so i think you have a nice three-man rotation and guys should stay fresh and i like it a lot I've given up on the race for the one seed. I think Kansas City is going to either be a two or a three seed in this year's playoffs, which means they would potentially have to go on the road for the first time. Patrick Mahomes' career, but but Mark Gunnels, 
Not necessarily. Though. Is our is our resident is our resident one seat? He he is has he's doing all the numbers. He's punching everything behind the clock. And I do know this. I do know that with a win over the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday, Kansas City would clinch an eighth straight AFC West title. Very cool. Very nice. More history there for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But for them to get the one seed, Mark Gunnels. Let us know what would have to happen. Please update us on the one seed race. So I do think it's unlikely they get the one seed, but it's still very, very possible considering the schedules. So obviously the Chiefs have to win out. You got the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers. You'll be favorites in all of those games. And you need the Ravens to lose two of their last three. And I think the most likely scenario is they lose their next two if you get them to lose two, because they play the Niners this Monday on Christmas at San Francisco. I feel comfortable they're losing that game. But then after that, they come home to play Miami. Miami hasn't beat any good teams over 500. It's in Baltimore. I probably lean Baltimore in that game, but it wouldn't shock anyone. I don't think if Miami won that game. Need Tyree kill. Yeah. And then they end their season at home against Pittsburgh. They'll probably win that game. I know those games are normally close because the rivalry and stuff, but I think Pittsburgh is kind of at their wits end now. I think this is going to be the first time they finish under 500 under Mike Tomlin. So if you want them to lose two games, it has to be these next two. But I do think you got the two seed in your back pocket if you went out because you just need Miami to lose one more time if you went out. And they played Dallas this week. I just mentioned the Baltimore game. And then they end the season against Buffalo. And did you know Buffalo can still win that division, by the way, if they went out? Which is crazy to think about. And Buffalo's next two games is against the Chargers and the Patriots. Then they end the season in Miami. If they went out, Buffalo wins the AFC East. Honing back in on the Raiders really quickly before we go to Vegas. We talked about this a couple pods ago, but another game where Kansas City's opponent has a rest advantage for the las vegas raiders they played last thursday night they played on the 14th and they won't play again until the 25th after santa's already come down and delivered the gifts so 11 days of rest for the raiders versus the kansas city chiefs who get just get the extra day something that sort of pointed out in the group chat it has advantage and here it is you're bearing down the back end of the schedule isaiah pacheco's coming back off of surgery you've got guys with nicks and scratches you got the older running back this team's played a lot of football. This is a game where, on paper, obviously, Mark Gunnels should take care of, but maybe the rest makes you second guess? No, I'm not I'm not too concerned because even though they're going to have extra rest, the Chiefs still get a decent amount of rest as well. You get that extra day. You're not playing Sunday to Sunday. You know, you got that Monday game, so – you get eight days. So I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. And you're you're not traveling. You're going to stay in Kansas City. You're going to be there for the holidays and open up the Christmas presents with your family probably the, the day before. Obviously, you have su- such an early start on Christmas Day. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. And let's not forget, this would be Aiden O'Connell's first game in Arrowhead, the rookie quarterback for the Raiders. I think that means something. You know, it's, it's going to be a hostile environment. People are going to be liquored up. They're going to have their eggnog in their system. They're going to have the they're going to have the feeling of having good presence back at the crib. So it's going to be good vibes at Arrowhead on a Christmas at Christmas Day. A noon start, right? 
So let's hope he doesn't step on the logo. Let's hope he didn't. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then also there has to be some regression to the mean, right? The Raiders just scored 63 points against the Chargers last last week. 63. Shout out to Brandon Staley. We know we didn't talk about that, but it's AFC West news. He's finally out the division. Oh, I was hoping he could stay around a little bit longer, but that's a different topic. But uh <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I think there's I think there is something to that because they're off such a high, man. I mean, 63 points against your division rival at home. You know, Max Crives was probably hitting the blunt again after the game in the locker room. No comment. Yeah, man. So <laughs> No, no comment is crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs should handle business in this game. They, they're really good at taking away your best option, and that's going to be Devontae Adams, obviously. Last game he had 73 yards against the Chiefs secondary, so that's pretty good job for the most part. And throughout the year we've seen this secondary shut down wide receiver ones week in and week out. And if you're able to do that again against this Raiders team, there's not too many more options you're going to. I mean, they could try to run the ball. I know the Chiefs can be deceptible against the run a little bit, but I think if the Chiefs got to an early lead, which I expect, then you're not going to be able to run the ball as much as you would like, especially on the road. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a slight positive in it um, that Justin Ross is also activated. So he's going to be, he's going to my my guy, yeah. Um, so no one I, else saw the potential apart from no you. one else, just me, yeah, yeah just me. Um, Brett Veach reads my tweets. Um, so uh, Justin Ross, I just thought it would be interesting to see the Chiefs really kind of bring him into a game like this against the Raiders because, um, yeah, we, we've we've obviously had issues with the likes of Sky Moore as well, uh, this season not being the kind of player that we are kind of expected him to be, but. The doors almost open a little bit more for Justin Ross to really kind of get some mm-hmm. game time in this, and it's up to him now, isn't it, to really kind of prove himself and to show everybody else that he can be that fill-in now. Yeah, and without sounding too disrespectful to Sky Moore, the shoes aren't exactly that big to fill, are they? Uh, no. what we've had, and you could argue even with KT and MBS as well. Like yeah. it wouldn't take a lot of production for. Justin Ross to end up as to be the third most productive receiver across the entire season in the mm. next three games. Like that's how little we've got from the other guys. So yeah, it'd be good to see Justin Ross play. I don't think he's going to play that much this game though. No, um, no I think the Raiders are an interesting case study, aren't they this year? Because they've gone through a fair amount of chopping and changing 
throughout the year and they just sum that up with their performances like literally 10 days ago they scored zero points against the Vikings and lost the game 3-0 and then they go and score 42 points in one half and the total of 60 points was it 63 points against the Chargers four days later yeah how how like if, if if the Chiefs are worried or Chiefs fans are worried about any potential for an offensive turnaround and saying you can't you can't do it, but just look at the Raiders. <laughs> they they went on a plus sixty three differential in yeah. four days. Now I know the Vikings are a better football team than the Chargers, and the Chargers at this point at that point were just willing for Saley to get fired to the point where they just stopped playing. Mm. But even still, to put up sixty three points in an NFL game. 42 points against a divisional rival in a half. Embarrassing. I mean, embarrassing for the Chargers, but it's got to mean that you approach this game as the Chiefs with an air of caution because you don't know what Raiders you're going to get Mm -hmm. at at this moment. You could get the performance against the Vikings. You could get the performance against the Chargers. Or you may even get the similar sort of performance which they gave against us a few weeks ago where they were very good for the first quarter, quarter and a half. Mm. And then after that, it just kind of fell apart. Like there are only three stages to this Raiders team. Excellent or meh. That is it. Where the Chiefs probably have a scale of about 10 different types of performances that they can do. Yeah. Right. And normally the Chiefs can win. If you've got it one to 10, the Chiefs can win from three to 10. Right. The Raiders can only win with their top performance and that's excellent when they're meh they lose when they they get battered or yeah. they lose three nil right like that's where yeah. the Raiders are at right now so they're just such an interesting team to watch and been more interesting i must say since antonio pierce come in i was uh, about to say that because you're going to get that mixed bag aren't you with an yeah. interim coach like that you're going to get that mixed bag because he's still going to obviously find the team that he wants to, or the scheme that he wants to kind of settle with, and obviously the personnel is part of it, but also the way he coaches uh, behind the scenes is who are his guys, who you know, how is he going to set the stall out for the next game? And yeah, yeah I agree with you. It's it's it is a mixed bag at the minute. They're either great or they're crap, aren't they? Yeah, and it's an audition as well. Remember for Antonio Pierce. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what the Raiders do in this hiring cycle because of what happened last time where they they didn't go with the interim head coach, even though they just made the playoffs. They obviously went for Josh McDaniels. They obviously had the big name and John Gruden before that as well. Um, I I don't know if Antonio Pierce has done enough. Um, Mm. I think a win in our head against the Chiefs will certainly help his cause. Yeah. Um, But I don't don't know if they're going to get it. I think it would take something pretty spectacular for the Raiders to walk out of our head with a win on Sunday, on, on Christmas Day, rather. Christmas Day games. Christmas Day. I know. How do you feel about that? I really don't know because, I mean, I suppose it's something to look forward to for the rest of the day, isn't it? Because obviously once you've seen the kids open the presents and everything, it's yeah. the rest of the day is almost like you wait for dinner, mm. you have your Christmas dinner, and then you just lie about for ages, don't you? Yeah, so I, I think I'm probably going to be looking forward to it a lot more because because of the fact that it's, of, of the time that it is, for, over, for us over here I think it's going to be a good timing for the rest of us because everybody's just going to be absolutely wasted from the rest of the day aren't they and yeah. just yeah. totally tired out and you can just go and go to your own different corners of the house and just do your own thing so I'm really looking forward to a bit of the downtime having a glass of whiskey whilst I'm watching the games mm. um, and probably just keep on drinking and keep watching even through to the, the later games as well what about you? 
I, I, I'm really happy about it this year. So I'm really hoping that Mahomes puts on a show because my mum always hears about Mahomes, right? She like always hears about the Chiefs, like sees me doing all this type of stuff and whatnot. I don't think she reads or listens to any of it, right? But she knows, Hi, she knows, she knows who Patrick Mahomes is, right? Yeah. And but she's never seen Patrick Mahomes play football. I don't think she's ever watched an NFL game in her entire life. But she's coming around mine on Christmas Day. And I've oh, already told God. the 14 other people that are coming to my house on Christmas Day that at six o'clock I am watching the Chiefs game. Like I even played the work card. <laughs> I, <was> saying, <laughs> I said, sorry, it's work. I have to watch it. So I played that card and everything. And they're like, fine. So I'm particularly looking forward to my mum's first Patrick Mahomes experience. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that he plays so well that he could potentially make a Chiefs fan out of my mum. Like, like Taylor Swift might do it for my sister. Taylor Swift will do it for my nieces if she happens to be at that game. I'm sure they'll be fine. Oh, we love Travis Kelsey or this. But wh who I really want Patrick Mahomes to impress on Christmas Day is my mother. And so I'm particularly looking forward yeah. to seeing that. And that's why I'm happy there's a Christmas Day game. You need to get her a Mahomes jersey for that special occasion. That's what you need to do. Yeah. I might yeah. do that. Yeah. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Have I just given the game away? I mean, if she listens to this, have I just have I just given the game away what she's getting for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do. Yeah, that's. I'm. I'm normally not on board with the Christmas Day games. I. I yeah. I. I don't understand going to sport on Christmas Day. I wouldn't no. personally do it. Um, I don't even go to football on Boxing Day. Um, oh. Soccer slash football. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's more it's of a family time in it. It's more yeah. family time in it, really, but. If, if but, it means watching the games later on the night when everybody's in bed and stuff, yeah. then I'm all for it. I'm, I'm I'll tell you that. what, though. The one that's really got not gone down well in my house is the New Year's Eve one because the New Year's Eve game against the Bengals is 9.25 in the evening. And oh. I, have, I have kids, so I don't go out on New Year's Eve. But normally me and the missus, we have a little drink and whatnot and just yeah. get out, listen to some music and then just play some games. Like, see see New Year in, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this no. year, this year, this year, she's watching Patrick Mahomes versus Jake Browning. <laughs> Look at her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But no, please send us your traditions, what you do on Christmas Day. If you're going to Arrowhead, let us know because... I'm I'm interested to hear other people's opinions on Christmas Day football. Uh, yeah, I, I like you get Christmas Day basketball as well. Um, it's a big sports day. I just couldn't imagine nothing would work over here. No one works on Christmas Day over here apart no. from people in pubs. So yeah, you, like you, I wonder what package the Chiefs are offering people to work on Christmas Day. Um, maybe work work Christmas Day or you and you get to keep your job. I don't know. <laughs> is that like the American way, is it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it's like being employed in America, but yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> so the Raiders, although they've had a convincing win against the Chargers recently, massive win, um, and it sounds like that the Raiders fan base is really happy with Antonio Pierce, and it sounds like what he's, what he's bringing back to the Raiders is the pride of being a Raiders fan and a Raiders player and the organization is something to be proud of. But when you look at the fact that the wins that they've had this year are only against losing teams with losing records, other than the Broncos, who are on seven and seven. They've won against the Chargers, the Jets, the Giants, Patriots, Packers, and the Broncos. And none of them have got a winning record. So we've lost two of those teams. Just take it 
just take it with a bit of a pinch of salt at the moment, Raiders fans. Yeah, get the cigars out. Yeah, granted, enjoy the wins when 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 they're there. But right now, you're not looking at a, at a team that is really kind of challenging the big teams at the minute. No, they're miles off, but I don't think they care at this point. Like, they're, they're, they they would still be delighted if they beat us on Sunday, Monday. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course they would, yeah. To ruin our season, they would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if they beat us, that's the AFC number one seed over and done with. Like, there's yeah. no chance. Uh, so, yeah. All right, we took a week off because that Patriots game had no um, no interest really at all on what they were going to do when they had the ball or when the Chiefs did, to be honest with you. But we'll, we'll Hunter get back. Henry killed him. I'm telling you, man, he's going to be a heck of a free agent. Uh, for somebody next year, um, Chiefs wouldn't be bad. Um, although I'd like to see if Noah Gray could could get more than one ball thrown to him a game. Um, all right, let's do this with the Chiefs uh, have the ball in this game, and I think uh, you you were excited, PK, about at least at least finding out what the Chiefs are, and let's see if they can continue to do that against this Raiders defense. So I think we have officially seen a changing of the guard for the chiefs and Ron is going to get mad at me for this, but I think they have to get mad at you. I think they have a new number one and I'm not talking about a number one wide receiver. I'm talking about a number one pass catcher. Rasheed Rice is their best pass catcher. I think you're out of your mind. I, I understand that they also have Travis Kelsey on the team. And I love Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is amazing. And this is not a shot against Travis Kelsey. I want to say that on the front end. But Travis Kelsey is not the same player that he was even as recently as last year. Again, not a shot against him. He's getting up there in age. Rasheed Rice, meanwhile, is peaking at the exact right time, dude. He is playing like a legitimate number one wide receiver. And the Chiefs are now targeting him as such. Over the past four weeks, the only players with more targets than Rasheed Rice are CeeDee Lamb, Michael Pittman Jr., A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, D.J. Moore, and Calvin Ridley. Those are all legitimate alphas on their teams. I was about to say, how many names are you about to say? It's only five. And Rasheed Rice has become that for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, number two on this team is obviously Travis Kelsey, but you have entered a place where every single week Rasheed Rice should get at least 10 targets. If they're throwing the ball 25, 28 times, he should get at least 10 of them. And if he gets those, he's going to put up big time numbers because he is that kind of talented. He is like early career Sammy Watkins before Ron started calling him tenderfoot. Like we're talking about the guy that was playing for Buffalo uh, version of Sammy Watkins. I love what we've seen from him. He's become the number one pass catcher on the Kansas City Chiefs, and this team's going to go as far as he is able to take them. So that's what their identity is, and now it becomes a question of what does that mean for them in both the short and the long term. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't. Listen, he has stepped up big time, and they've needed him, and I think this is going to help their number one pass catcher. All right, I, I I think his emergence is going to help Kelsey. I think he is getting a lot because nobody is focusing anything on him. They're literally like the reason why I can't go there with you is the focus is one hundred percent on Travis Kelsey and trying to stop. Him did you feel game. like that this week? Because I didn't. I did. 
I, I, oh, I did. I, I felt I felt like that they were still like that was I felt like that was what Belichick wanted to take away. Um, now, I think there was some plays that that should have been made and could have been made by Travis. I think Travis was afraid he was going to get drilled in the end zone and, and short arm that. And I, and I think there's some stuff that could have been made. And yes, and I'm with you. Travis is not playing at the level that we're accustomed to. I think Travis has been good this year, not great, um, and has had flashes and moments. But I just think this is this is going to help him. I do think I think Rasheed Rice still is getting a lot of outside of the screens that he's getting all the time. But I think Rasheed is getting a lot of of help because of the attention that that Travis Kelsey is attracting. Like they're always they're always shading something towards him, trying to stop him. But I do think people are going to be more aware, and the numbers you you sprouted out are going to be more aware of him and that he is going to uh he's going to garner a little bit more attention which is going to me to, to to me help travis kelsey i still think right now travis kelsey is the number one receiving threat on this team because he is the guy everybody tries to take away and that will never change they will never start rolling it at least this year they will never start saying we got to come in here and stop Rasheed Rice so we can allow Travis Kelsey to go eat up everybody. Now, Travis Kelsey has maybe taken a step down in terms of being able to just beat double teams or beat uh, beat that type of coverage. Maybe there's something there, and I think maybe a connection with the offensive line and the time that Mahomes has. But if you're going to let him go one-on-one with linebackers or safeties, Oh, no, oh, he going he gonna to eat them up. We've seen it. You talked about last year. We've seen Travis have big games this year. He went on a stretch there in the middle of the season where he went off. Uh, so I think that is still there. I just think this is this is coming in the perfect time that Rasheed Rice is starting to emerge because it's going to help Travis. See, I'm not there yet to say that Rasheed is, is the number one pass catcher, mm-hmm. like over Kelsey, but – I do think that he's playing so well right now. He is going to start being a guy that teams game plan for. Now, I don't know that teams are going to game plan for him ahead of Travis Kelsey, but if he keeps playing like this, playoff teams are going to game plan for Rasheed Rice ahead of Travis Kelsey. Unless we see over the next couple of weeks before the postseason, like these teams start start shifting coverage to we got a double team rice. We can shut everybody else down one on one if we have to. And then Kelsey goes off like and then teams are like, OK, it's got to be somewhere in between or whatever. But when they become the two guys that they say, OK, we have to game plan for these guys. It's then, OK, how do the Chiefs react to that? And how do they get Rasheed Rice the ball when he's the one that's drawing all of the attention from the defense? I think it's trending in that direction. I don't think it's quite there yet. I still think that it is Travis Kelsey, but. I think come the playoffs, if if Rasheed Rice continues to do this, I think those defenses that you see in the postseason are going to be game play. Let me ask you it this way, then. If you're a defensive coordinator, who scares you more right now? Travis Kelsey. Oh, I think it's still Kelsey, but yeah, I, I think because he, he can he he's just he's so smart and he can always just find space and get open. Even and, if he's not the even if he's not going to necessarily like win deep like he used to. And the connection that him and Mahomes have, they, I mean, they're doing stuff that they don't even know what they're going to do yet. And I, and, and here's my other thing is with, with that. And, and this is going to be an adjustment. I think that may start, we may start to see is, I don't know. I, I don't know the numbers. 
I would love to see it, but it, it is starting to form in my head. Like, there's not a lot of routes on the route tree that Rasheed is running. It seems like he has a spe- specific amount of routes that he runs. Every game, we see the receiver screen. We see the little hitch that stop. We see we're not – there's not really a lot of, like, downfield. I remember the fade he caught against the Packers uh, in a game. There was one against the Bills there late before – all the chaos with with we saw a drag we saw a dig this week. Back uh, shoulder, I, I like seeing some of that stuff. I, I think they're starting to incorporate more. I think they're starting to trust him more, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing with his development that's impressed me is that he is starting to expand a little bit. But you're right, Ron. It, it's taken until the last like probably three weeks before we've really seen this. I, I'm just saying, I th- I feel like I like we'll see if they extend more, but I feel like all defenses who are going to take him more serious. I think you can watch tape and see what I mean. My man's running like four routes, and like we—it's just so we hard to it. take away though because so much of what he's doing comes after the catch, and it's really hard to stop him after the catch. Like he's just a, a really special uh, guy with the ball in his hands. So, and 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 I think teams are going to start to pay attention to that, and we'll see. You, you know, if there's more defenders added over, like it, it, I think he's going to have to. That's the thing for me, and another reason why when you say he scares, who scares you the most? Like he's not doing stuff down the field yet. Like if that makes sense. Like he's he's really, to be honest with you, like he's in the the same area of like Kelsey, like the parts of the field or like he's in the same. Like it's not down the field yet. It's not. It's, it's not. If they can incorporate that to make that as a as a part of it, that is why. But. Him, his emergence though is still is is to the point you're saying. Eventually, people are going to say, "Well, I mean, we we're not going to just let this cat just just keep lighting us up 15 yards on these screens. Like we're going to have to cheat cheat over, and then you're cheating over with safeties, and now you're potentially opening things up for him. I I am with the receiver thing. I am intrigued, and I wonder where you guys think this goes. We know Sky Moore went on the IR um, with the uh, the knee. Who, I'm I'm wondering what we see in this. Who is going to fill that void? Like who is going to get those opportunities, right? Like I mean, we look at it. We know there's there's obviously MVS that's out there. There's Tony. The thought is for many, although Andy seems to be hell bent on the other way that maybe his snaps get dropped. But obviously, we see what they're doing with Rasheed Rice. I mean, he played he played like 95 percent of the offensive snaps in the game mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, and and Justin Watson obviously. Who is it? Is it Richie James who maybe people are, are pushing to get more? I'm in, I'm intrigued to see who gets or how whatever the slime sly sky more uh, uh, snaps, how that gets divvied up. So we had 15 snaps in this game on Sunday against the Patriots. So it, it's not a big uh, piece of the pie. I think what you could see is like they kind of just get shared around, right? So MVS, I think Serta mentioned him earlier. I think he gets a decent number of them. I think you'll see a little bit more of Noah Gray. When he gets back, I think the guy that really takes on those snaps is they just replace him one for one with McCole Hardman. Like I think that ends up being the guy that gets all of them. But for the here and now, I, I think a lot of them go to MVS and Noah Gray. And then 
you might just see more of Justin Watson. He was on the field for 68% of the snaps last week. Maybe he just becomes like an 80 plus percent snap wide receiver for the Chiefs. I I don't think he's a guy that scares anybody and he should not be getting like 11 targets the way that he did earlier this year. But that's just one game. He's right. (laughs) But he's he's on the field and he'll he'll do the right things and he gets, you know, three to five targets a week and he makes a couple of catches Four, four, four is the perfect number of targets a week for Justin Watson. I'll give him five. Sweet spot. <laughs> no, I, it, it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people want to see Richie James. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we're at a point where he'll give anybody a shot to see what they can what they can do. I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm sure we may see see more of him. But the I problem do, is, I, like Rasheed lines up in the the slot a lot. Him between him and Kelsey, like those are your slot receivers. So it's kind of hard to get a lot out of Richie James when those are the guys that are lining up there. Yeah, I, I think they're just going to tighten it down. You think, you think we see less Kadarius Tony, or you think this means we may see a little bit more of him with Sky Moore out? You said it's about fifteen snaps. Does, does some of that shoot over to Kadarius? I mean, Kadarius had twenty-five snaps last week. If he's a like, get him another 40, five. No, <laughs> thirty. You I think, think he's? He... I think he's back down to like ten to fifteen percent yeah. of snaps. I can't wait to see this because I who plays more this week, Blake Bell or uh, Kadarius Tony? Kadarius Tony. I think he plays more. I think that's situation. It better be Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius is going to play more, a lot more than many of you want him to. A lot more. Just put two running backs and two tight ends on the field at all times. Yeah, they're not going to do that. (laughs) He's going to play a lot more than you want him to. And I and I'll be the one if he makes a big play. I'll be the one to give him his respect. I know you two will not. All right. I'll just Raiders... be telling you to wait till the next one when he screws up and it becomes an interception <laughs> that goes the other way for six points. That'll be great. Right. He's going to start knocking them down to the ground <laughs> instead of just catching them. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.